Hi there, welcome to Glenlyden Baptist Church's podcast network. We're glad you can join us today. If you'd like more information on the church, please visit us on our website, www.gebc.org.nz. We hope you enjoy the pod. Good morning. I was just thinking about that uh, scripture in Ecclesiastes that uh, talks about two are better than one. And uh, I was thinking that... Uh, you can go home and you go, I didn't really like the talk today, but the other one, the other person was all right, so at least you've got, you've got a couple of options uh, this morning. And um, I was thinking as we, we look throughout the Bible, and particularly in the New Testament, we see a whole lot of references to the nature and character of Jesus. We see him as the vine, uh, we see him as the gardener, we see him as the door, the way, the truth, the life. And we also see him as a friend of sinners and and a storyteller. And I don't know about you, but I love stories. And I know that um, as I read the New Testament, I can look at stories and I can say, I can read right from the start, there was a man and he had two sons. There was a woman and she was inflicted with a disease for 12 years. There was a... um, Uh, four different types of seed and they fell along the ground and as you read these stories straight away right from the start you're in you go I want to know more as I read these stories so um, today Pastor Gary asked us if we would share some of our stories so it's our hope that as we share the story that some of our story would be a reflection for you as you consider your journey and your space, and where you are with God today. And I, I feel really, just to say, as I've been sitting here this morning, there's a, there's a theme of, of healing, and this grace, and this love, and this forgiveness that is flowing through the service. So I, I'd ask you just to allow that to continue as we speak, that God would touch you in the space that you're at, because all of those things that have been shared this morning, they're for all of us, they're, that love that is for all of us. So um, my love of stories, I heard a story the other day, and I, I, do, I do like this story because uh, if we think of, again, the theme that we're on this morning, there was that song, His Debt He Paid for Us. And uh, there was a man, and he was driving along the road, probably a little bit faster than he should have been, and he got pulled over by a traffic officer. And the traffic officer is writing out the fine for this man. Meantime, the man sitting there in his car And he's thinking, you don't know my situation. I've just been made redundant. Things at home aren't really that great. And I've got a whole pile of bills that I can't even begin to think that I could pay. What's more, my wife's going through a similar sort of situation as well. And as the traffic officer hands the man his fine, he said, is there any way that I can get out of this? And the police officer looks at him and he says, your debt has to be paid. You have to pay the debt. That is the law that needs to be fulfilled. So hands him his debt. He goes home, walks in the front door, and he sees his wife. She sees that he's got a traffic fine in his hands. Her eyes fill up with tears. His eyes fill up with tears. Things are not looking good. And he looks down at that ticket, and he opens up the ticket, and there inside the ticket is $1,000, enough to cover his debt, all of the bills that they had mounted up in their house, the stuff the wife needed to pay. And I love that story because really, that's it, right? 
We all have a debt that we owe. We know about our own story. We know the things that we've gone through, the things that we've, we've done, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And there is a debt that needs to be paid for that. But grace comes to you. Grace comes to me and says, you know what? We know a saviour. We know somebody who can take our debt and pay all that we should have owed. And he took it on himself. So um, certainly that's uh, part of our story. And... Uh, and I'm sure part of yours. So we thought we'd just read from Matthew 13, which is a verse about why tell stories. So Matthew 13, verse 10, the disciples came up and asked, why do you tell stories? He replied, you've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. Not everybody has the gift this insight of this insight. It hasn't been given to them. Whenever someone has a ready heart for this, the insights and understandings flow freely. But if there is no readiness, any trace of receptivity soon disappears. That's why I tell stories to create readiness, to nudge people towards a welcome awakening. And I love that, that, that the story nudges us to a receptive awakening. And so that's our prayer for us all today, that as we, we share our stories and we share stories from the Bible, that God would nudge us to that place mm. of a receptive uh, awakening. Mm. And your story is important. We all have a story in us because it fuels revival, causing others to wake up. And, and it brings a through, about breakthrough in their lives. We share our testimony to bring worship and glory to God. Worship is telling the stories of God's activity in our lives. We hope today that by sharing our story, it invites you to know God um, in your own experience. So for me, a little bit about my story. Um, kick off with a little bit about my family. My mum is uh, probably the, my best mate in many ways and uh, as someone who's deeply uh, caring uh, to me as a person. She was a constant rock for me as I grew up and uh, someone who I could confide in, I could share my feelings uh, with her. My dad, on the other hand, was very busy with his career, and so I didn't really get to have a close relationship uh, with my dad. And then probably the, the person who, uh, in terms of uh, the spiritual journey that I, that I was on uh, from a, an early age, was my sister. She was the one in whom probably all of the lessons around faith and uh, believing in, in God and trusting in him were brought um, to me by her. And even though she suffered from a, a, a terrible disease, she was severely paralyzed and lived her whole life in a wheelchair. She always had a smile on her face and she was the one that always said, come on, we need to go to church. And she got me going to Sunday school from an early day uh, in, in my probably 12, 13 years old, I started going to church because of my sister. And so uh, I could see God in her. I could see his hand moving in her life. And it was Helen that taught me about faith, seeing the best in others, believing in God and seeing the hope that a life in God um, could bring. So for me, for, from an early time in my teens, I had no problem believing that there was a God, believing in a God. I believed in a power greater than myself. I grew up with a love of movies and music, and that stayed with me throughout my whole life. I remember seeing Star Wars at the Cinerama, you know, 
Some of you young people here might remember the Cinerama in Queen Street. And I went to the 1045 on a Saturday morning and saw this movie. And I remember hearing about the force and these allusions to this power greater, greater than us. And even through music and songs, I was able to identify aspects of faith as I listened. So I've never had a problem believing in a creative God because I could see his hand in the thing that he made. For instance, if I listen to a Bob Dylan song... I can close my eyes and I can hear his guitar playing. I can hear his voice uh, and everything that he sings. Mark Knopfler from Dire Straits, you know that distinctive picking that he has when he plays. If you blindfolded me and gave me my mum's apple shortcake, I would be able to identify it over anyone else that bakes an apple shortcake in this room. And this is the thing. The hand of the person who made something, is evident in the thing they made. So I don't have a problem believing that a great God put his hand on this earth and made stuff, made you and made me. This thought has come easy for me my whole life, and I've carried it with me all of my life. (laughs) Thank you, brother. (laughs) So I want to invite you into my God story today. I waited 46 years for something I really wanted, and I wonder if you've ever had to wait for something to come to pass, wondering if it ever would. As an adult in my early 20s, life was pretty sweet. I was part of a loving family. I had exceptional parents who had sacrificed much so that I might thrive. I'd grown up going to church, and I come from a rich heritage of family that have pursued God through the generations. I knew all my life that I was loved by God, that he knew the desires of my heart, and that he wanted a personal relationship with me. When I was 20, I started what turned out to be a 20-year career as international cabin crew with Air New Zealand. Life was a dazzling adventure. Not only was I being paid to see the world, I got to stay in some pretty swank hotels. My days off overseas were my own, and I could fill them in whichever way I chose, it was just my own time and my own um, time. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a bit nervous. <laughs> uh, yeah, so back when I started, we would have like up to five days off in Europe, uh, the tropics or exciting Asian cities. It's not like that now, but when I first started, it was the final chapter of the glory days when international flying was almost glamorous. Flight attendants are hired because they are people people and love being connected. So almost always after a long flight, we would gather around a hotel pool and would we party, we'd be connected and party. At first it was exciting, but when you do that for 20 years, you soon discover that the shine doesn't last. Shift work can really stuff your life plans up. And I was only ever in New Zealand 10 days a month, which made having a regular life uh, completely uh, challenging. I could really commit to do anything on a regular basis. Like many of us, I had a deep desire to do life with a companion. So I grew up in this youth group culture, and I I had pretty good influences around me. Um, It was the the church scene where everyone got married young, and, and I think in many ways I thought, well, I get married because that's what everybody else was doing. Uh, so I never really strayed into a life of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. So sorry, 
ahead of time. I haven't got any of that detail to share with you. You know, I wasn't doing any of that kind of stuff. Um, I became a young father, dad to three great children. But as I started growing older, and um, here's the part where maybe not not so good, (laughs) a drift occurred in my life. And I felt myself departing from the beliefs and the and the faith and even the community that I'd grown up with as uh, time goes. And you know how life works, work comes in the way and pressures come, distractions come. So some of the innocence of my youth and the learnings of the Bible faded into the background of my life. And uh, I started to justify my behavior on what I thought was acceptable. And I was in sales, so I could sell myself anything. You know, and, and isn't that probably us too? You know, you start to think about your life and, yeah, I can justify that behavior. I can get away with that. I can do this. And uh, many years after drifting in and out of uh, church and uh, this, this lifestyle that I was in, I um, started to unravel a bit. My life started to unravel. And it was uh, in my 40s that um, I went through a divorce I uh, experienced a redundancy after being in my job for 27 years. Uh, I found out what it was like to be depressed and living on my own and having a Christmas alone, sitting on Bondi Beach, uh, reading a book in the sunshine while my family was somewhere else. I found out um, that my sister was close to dying and I flew back to New Zealand and she passed away at the age of 46. Uh, And then two years later, my dad... uh, passed away. So I experienced uh, six years of quite difficult times. But it was during these times that I could sense a gentle whisper of uh, God in my heart, beckoning me to return to my senses and my faith. A little bit like the story of the lost son. You know that bit in that story when he's, uh, he's spent all his dad's money and he's wasted his life And he's actually bending over, looking into the pig slop and thinking, that looks pretty good. And I'm hungry. I might eat it right now. And the Bible says he comes to his senses. And he goes, hey, I've got a dad back home. Owns a ranch out there in Oratia. I could could go out and, and, and maybe he might give me a job as a servant. And we know how the story goes, that there's this welcome back. And um, so for me, I could feel God's whisper. And coming back to that, that word from the message version, his nudge. He was nudging me back into a, a gentle way to reconnect to a close relationship with him. I started reconnecting with my old friends and, uh, and seeing people from my church background, listening to songs that filled my heart uh, and readings that, that tuned my heart back into God. See, the thing is with with life is you can easily shut out the truth, right? You can push it away. You can sell yourself a story. You can believe all that stuff. But you know what the good news is? You can also easily reopen the door to the truth. You can invite God back into your life. It's easy. It's not hard. It's not a hard thing to do. So I realized that God hadn't run from me. I'd run from him. And I started letting go of the lies that I was telling myself and reopening the door to the truth. It was kind of like coming home. And there's a song I've got that I love. And it said, I have lived my life as if these days would never end. But I was wrong. Now I'm home again. 
I had walked away, but now I'm home again. I had wandered far, but you have let me in. You were always here, and now I'm home again. So good. So in my 20s, I really didn't give it much thought because I honestly never for a moment thought meeting a guy, falling in love, and even getting married would turn into a lengthy, disappointing, and heartbreaking wait. Single life in my 20s led to 30s, 30s to my 40s, and before I knew it, I was in my mid-40s living alone with my cat. It actually happened I'd become Bridget Jones and the crazy cat lady combined. I'd watched from the sidelines as decade by decade, so many of my closest friends snapped up their dream man, walked down the aisle, bought beautiful homes and established suburbs, and there they grew their gorgeous families. And I tried as courageously as I could to dull down that numb and supreme disappointment of an unmet dream. What did I do so wrong to be handled, handed the single for life card? Why me, God? You say you care about all the intricate parts of me. That means you know that I dreamt of sharing my life with someone. I made a few terrible mistakes along the way, wanting to take matters out of God's hands and into my own, but that is a story for another time. It wasn't until I traveled to a church in Reading, California called Bethel, and you may have heard of Bethel uh, through some of the worship music that you sing here, and in the midst of my disappointment, I had a hunger in my belly to encounter and experience more of his spirit, and wow, did I ever It was a really precious and intimate time with Jesus going deeper and experiencing an inner healing through encounter. Now, who here has been around long enough to remember what this is? Can you see it in Andrew's hand there? (laughs) Showing our age a bit here. We live in an instant age of snapping photos on our phones. Can we do one like this? Let's go here. Hey, we're not on Facebook, people. Oh, we're not on any social media, yeah. Yeah, we live in this instant age of snapping photos on our phones and just deleting the bad pic or editing out the double chin. Uh, we We can make pictures more vibrant or moody just at the touch of a finger. To take a beautiful picture with a film camera, there are many processes, and you have to trust the process. Thank you, assistant. Andrew's my assistant here today doing the demonstration. (laughs) First, you had to put the film in the camera and wind it on. (laughs) Then you had to line your shot up and trust that you had captured the moment. Then you had to take the film out and take it to your local pharmacy. You had to trust them with it. (laughs) They would place it in an envelope and send it off to the lab. Sometimes it would take over a week to get your film back or your pictures back. And in the lab, the film had to come out of the envelope and go into the darkroom. It had to go through several chemical processes before it became a photograph. If the darkroom door is opened during this development time, the negative would be exposed and the final picture ruined. You know, just like this roll of film that I had to be taken away to a dark place for what seems like forever to be developed into something. 
I couldn't open that dark room door or I would ruin the picture God was creating for me. In that development room, Jesus came and whispered his goodness over me. I encountered his extravagant love for me in so many ways, his generosity, his nudge, his sense of humor, (laughs) and I gave him full permission too. Life became a beautiful adventure with him, surrendering and laying down my dream while he did the developing I had to trust. And that's when we met. (laughs) Yeah. We were introduced by my mum, who met Andrew at National Speakers. She clocked him from across the the room and thought, who's that fellow? And promptly marched over to him and (laughs) made a beeline for him and said, Andrew, are you single? (laughs) And he said, (laughs) well, yes, Ellie, yes, I am. And so much to my horror, my mother said, well, you need to meet my daughter, just for friendship. So when mum called me the next day to say, I've met this man in his 50s at National Speakers, and he's single and really rather nice, I was quite honestly horrified. I was like, mum, you can't do that. You can't just hand out my number to a strange man. And if he's a single man in his 50s, what's the matter with him? Why is he still single if he's that good? Which is actually pretty unfair of me because I was in my 50s and still single too. Uh, it's, it's nice standing up here with my wife. You know, I was thinking we could do Islands in the Stream. I keep, I keep looking at it, I, you know, I want to sing, you know, like do, do a Donnie and Marie. Um, but, you know, it was easy when we met to see God's hand in our life. And I loved Kylie from the moment we met. And I, I'd always wanted to journey with someone that shared that faith, shared that love for God. And it was easy. And the joy. So it was easy to make the decision. So I did go to my good friend Gary and I said, I'm thinking of getting married to Kylie, Gary, what do you think? And he said, well, you better hurry up, mate, because you don't have much time left. (laughs) And um, I looked up on Google and evidently the average man lives to 79. So I realized I had 26 years left. So I thought, yeah, I better hurry up. I better get on with it. So yeah, we did go ahead and we got married. (laughs) Yay. And we did get married uh, quite soon after meeting, in typical Christian Christian way of doing things. (laughs) We went on a honeymoon to Arrowtown, which holds a really special place in our hearts. And we enjoyed time skiing out on the Earnslaw. We even went dog sledding um, up at Snow Farm and just being tourists. And it was a really wonderful time. In a couple of days just before... um the honeymoon ended and I felt a nudge and and again this is this thing I've never heard the audible voice of God but I've had a lot of nudges in my life impression in my heart I might read something I might hear a song and I experience God moving in that way and I felt a voice inside my heart say this something's going to happen to her get ready and uh, I thought oh that's a bit strange anyway so we carried on the honeymoon two days before our honeymoon finished Um, I knew that God had said something to me and it was on that second to last day uh, of our honeymoon that I went up Coronet Peak for a sneaky ski and as I was driving back down the the mountain about lunchtime, Kylie called me on my phone and uh, she said, Andrew, I think I'm dying, can you um, come home? And I thought, uh, first thing I thought, well, here it is, here's the voice from two days ago, this is what it it is. And, And the funny thing was, it was 
uh, I was uh, strangely calm about all of this. So that voice from two days earlier came back to me. Uh, I called the emergency number and uh, the Arrowtown Fire Brigade were the first people on the scene. Uh, they were professional, caring and amazing and Kylie went to Queenstown Base Hospital at first. Uh, we wanted to get a scan but we found out that uh, the hospital didn't have a scanning machine there so they had to put her in an ambulance and drive 50 kilometres through the gorge to Dunstan Hospital which is the main base. And um, I remember at the time thinking, I think I know a, hosp uh, a doctor that works at that hospital. And her name was Sarah. And so I rang her and I said, Sarah, are you working at this hospital? She goes, yeah, I am. I said, are you on at the moment? She said, yeah, I am. I said, oh, Kylie's coming to you in an ambulance right now. Can you take care of her? And so, uh, you know, again, God's hand in things that sometimes you think, even in an adversity, we saw him doing some stuff. And um, when I arrived in Clyde, uh, I, was, I arrived just in time to see Kylie being put on a stretcher and loaded into a helicopter and being flown to Dunedin Hospital. So I was there on my own with this doctor, and she talked me through the results of the, the scan. And so I was able to see uh, the, the picture of Kylie's brain where she had experienced a severe stroke on her brain and behind her eye, there was a, a blister that had popped. Uh, so it was an aneurysm, a blister aneurysm in, in her brain. And um, one thing I've learned about uh, blood is uh, blood's good. We need blood in the body. But if it's in the wrong place, it's definitely not a uh, good idea to have blood flowing in places that it's not supposed to be. So um, this is really quite an unexpected start to our new life. We're on honeymoon and then Kylie has a significant brain bleed and is being flown away. I am driving now for three hours in the pitch black at night to Dunedin through the pig route. Now it's a very dark area and um, I remember at that time even coming back to this calm in God's presence. I remember uh, talking to Gary and praying with him on the phone as I was driving through that darkness and um, the only light I could see was the snow on the hills at, at night illuminating the way. Um, and again, the strange peace of God uh, that everything was going to be okay, uh, that he, he is with us, even in those uh, most difficult circumstances. As that song says, he makes a way when there seems to be no way. Yeah, so after three excruciating long weeks, and uh, firstly in Dunedin ICU and then in Auckland Hospital in the HDU department, then several months at home, I slowly recovered to full health, and we live a new and transformed life with God leading us every step of the way. Yay! <laughs> it's been a miraculous beginning to a new and very best life. Mm. So what does every day look like for us now as a couple? We, we start each day and laughing, but we always spend time together in the word of God, and we worship God. When we're out walking, we're praying, and, and we love just sharing those like, little God nuggets that come our way each day together, and that's kind of what binds us together in our marriage, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I remember um, that experience of uh, Kylie calling me on the phone and, and thinking it's important to have a phone with you if, if you're ever in an emergency, and so I went for a bike ride um, a little while ago, went, rode out to Mount Roskill, realised I didn't have my phone, Kylie's at home, so I, I started getting a bit worried, so, oh God, would you look after Kylie today, pray your blessing on her, 
And then my prayers started getting a bit paranoid. I thought, oh, what if something happens to her? So I was going, oh, God, would you save her? Would you make sure she's okay? And, you know, and, and the paranoid prayers then turned to reflection. And I was thinking, oh, i just really so appreciative of the woman that I'm married to and that I walk with and enjoy. And then I started asking questions. You're thinking, this guy's got, you know, psychosis. He's talking to himself. But I'm on my bike. And, and I asked myself the question, um, you know, why did I marry Kylie? And again, that nudge, that impression that I had, a voice in my heart said, you married Kylie so that when you look at her, you can look at her and see somebody who looks like me. And, you know, I thought that's what church is all about, right? We walk in the door this morning and we're looking around at everybody here and we're seeing somebody who looks like him. And that's why we come. That's why we come to church, to celebrate and to reflect and to, to look into each other's eyes and to see that person that looks like Jesus. So I thought I'd finish with a story again that I heard the other day that I really liked about what God has done for us. And there was a bride and groom. The story is not really like our story, but there's a bride and groom celebrating their wedding day. And they've finished their wedding, the reception's over, and they're going to the hotel for their honeymoon night. So they're checking in at reception, and they go upstairs to the honeymoon suite, and the groom is putting down the bags in the room, and he turns around, and the bride says, oh, I've just got to check out something downstairs. I'll be back soon. And, oh, okay. The groom thinks that's a little bit strange. And the bride walks downstairs, ambles into the bar, and there sitting at the bar is a strange man in the darkness. And the bride goes over and she starts talking to this strange man. They strike up a conversation and they're there for about half an hour. And after about half an hour, the bride and this strange man walk out of the bar, arm in arm, off into the darkness. You're thinking, well, where's this story going? And I, and I guess if you're like me, at this point in the story, you might be thinking a few thoughts, stuff like this. Well, just as well he found out about her now. Luckily, they didn't go any further with this marriage or it would have been a disaster. I hope she gets what's coming to her. Poor guy, poor groom. I hope life picks up for him from here because that's what the world would say about a situation like this, right? We like to judge and cast our opinion. And you can imagine the poor groom, he's up there in his room, he's put his whole life on hold, and he's packing up his bags, and he's going home alone now. But that's not what happened in the story. You see, the groom puts on his coat, wanders down the stairs, walks out into the darkness, and goes looking for his bride. And that is what Jesus did for us. And that's what he did for you. He goes looking, he goes seeking us because he wants a relationship with us. He wants to restore with us. He can see like me that my heart had wandered and he wants to call us home again. He wants us to walk out of the darkness that we're in and into the light that only he can bring. It's called redemption. It's called amazing grace. And it's available for all of us. And um, yeah. So just to close, as we think about our life, and we think about you too, there's a scripture in Philippians 3, and the, the reference is being focused on the goal. And this is Paul speaking from the message version, and he says this, I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I have it made, 
but I am well on my way, reaching out for Christ, who so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. And that that would be our heart for you today too. We're not standing up here saying we've got it all together, but I tell you what, we're well on our way, and that's what we would wish and pray for you, that you would be well on your way, reaching out for Christ, who so wondrously reached out for you. And I already feel like before we came up that God's doing the work in this place, that that nudge, that nudge for healing, that nudge for wholeness. If you don't know him, reach out to him. The Bible said he'll be faithful and true and he will reveal himself to you. If you do know him and you walked away from him like me, you can easily reconnect. You can disconnect from the lies in your life and you can reach out to God and he will be faithful and true. So... Thanks for listening to our story. Yeah, bless you. Bless you all. Thanks again for joining with us today. If you'd like to know more information on the church or reach out to one of the pastors, please visit our website, www.gebc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day.